0: (laughs) while she's making a mess do you want to break it to her that there will not be a giant pot of shrimp for her to eat tomorrow
1: it's pronounced scrimp
0: burl it would be if we were having one what's on the we're just having a
2: big we're just having a big boil without shrimp in it
0: yes exactly that's a big boil boil. of ordering pizza oh Um, i'm fine with that too i'm fine with that too the snackapas
2: um Um, (laughs) well since there's not a broil going on can i bring something Do you Uh, you snacks? Do we need a you know, should I bring a should I bring shrimp cocktails? Should I bring a whole bunch of mashed potatoes? Should I I mean, (laughs) you know, let me let a boy know. New Directions, Volume 6, Volume 6, Episode 6. We don't know. We're tired of New Directions. We're going to finally sheathe these directions. We're finally going to put this sword back into its place. Your Comics Place podcast, New Directions, a comics podcast about all of the great books that came out that week. It's a comic podcast and a pop culture podcast coming out of the Pacific Northwest. Your favorite town, Bellingham, Washington, about an hour and a half north of Seattle, run by the Comics Place. Jeff Django and this week we've got a wonderful guest all, the store is also run by this person but I want to give the guest <clears throat> is and I'm going to give them the opportunity to say their voice
0: oh well, hello I'm Colette
2: Colette no
0: <laughs> long time I, no hear you all sorry about that
2: yeah well if you listened um, part time listener, <laughs>
1: no time call well
2: well Colette so then it won't make sense to you but at 250 we stopped being the perfectly acceptable podcast we spent a while on the land of Romans ruminators And then we started a new (laughs) podcast called new directions where we find a new direction every week. And I hate it because (laughs) while I love comic books, I will admit that I have used this podcast as a platform to make Django feel small in the past because (laughs) he, he is so tall and he casts a long shadow and I am a small man. And I try to use this to tear him down since I edit it. So I can take out all the good things he says And I can delete them. And then I can just put in the dumb things he says before the podcast, edit it into it. Like it sounds like the things that he's saying about comics. I admit I've been doing that for 200 and many episodes, okay? (laughs) And so New Directions has been my chance to shine a light on the man that is Django-born and elevate him and make sure his voice... I hate fucking doing it. I hate fucking doing it.
1: It's been Jeff. pretty nice for me, though.
2: I I hate laughing at his jokes. I hate not saying mean things. I hate new directions. So today we're putting the direction back in its underpants. And we're finding something else. Do you remember our- okay.
0: years and years ago now, Okay. forever ago, okay. we recorded a podcast and we shat on Django oh. for the first, like 45 minutes. And then we like gushed about what a great person he is for a while and then like not.
3: Long after that, we
0: discovered that it hadn't actually been recording the whole time. Yeah. And I remember, so we recorded that so the, the universe upstairs. knew that we should not be putting out compliments to Django. Out so
2: anyway, <laughs> I don't know what we're going to be next week, but I'm done with this <clears throat> nude wiener of ours. This nudie wiener. Hey, Django, how are you?
1: I'm good. I don't
2: care. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just, I've been stifling. Now they're bubbling up out of the vitriol bog that is my belly.
1: <laughs> Man, if I thought that I yeah, had this... sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> if I thought that I had the stick itiveness to pretend that you were editing me in for the rest of the episode and that it would translate it all, I would absolutely do that.
2: What a great long con it would have been for 250 episodes for me to have been like only putting stupid things that you said that sounds like it was really like, all right, he's only said seven dumb things, and so I'm gonna put one thing in that makes it sound like this is real. Like, I really like the pencils fart. i mean
0: but why do all that work when you can just let Django talk
1: (laughs) oh she just zabadood you i got zabadood there's that podcast that i listened to the weekly planet where they one of the guys who was doing the editing always put in the defenders of the universe cartoon song anytime either of them said the defenders oh and so it's like every nine episodes the defenders happens to come up and then it's like full volume the defenders of the universe we
2: got in Uh, trouble early on for having audio breaks that were too loud if you remember
1: i don't remember anything
2: i do i remember everything everyone ever says about anything that i do i'm just kidding i'm just kidding hey everybody i'm gonna read an email that our good friend will elmer sent in although he sent it to the shop email this time instead of my own email so just a second i'm gonna move things around and delay things a little bit um, Will Elmer,
0: da, 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 is he related da, 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 da,
1: to DJ Fudd?
2: DJ Fudd, yeah, I met DJ Fudd. You know that guy, DJ Fudd Ruckers. Yeah. Hey, welcome. I bought this new barrel. I can't wait to fill with crackers. I'm gonna start this restaurant called Cracker Barrels, and that's <laughs> DJ Fudd Rucker. Um, <laughs> hey, everyone, happy episode of 263 New Directions. Not New Directions anymore, Will. I'm done with it. I'm done we put in six we put six in the can and nothing gold came out
1: this is the sixth you're not done yet
2: yeah you're right never mind new directions my new direction this time is faith in Django oh sorry oh my (laughs) god that was so mean it was so mean I have it wasn't a new direction I lived my life having faith in Django
1: I feel like I'm only gonna make it five and a half episodes through one of these I'm you're gonna quit (laughs) oh no quit new directions No, you're right. Never mind.
2: We've got a whole tour on Ireland to take to.
0: (laughs) Jingo, if you're not around for us to shit on, then we're going to just turn that back on ourselves do like you we whenever you're not here. And it's No, Collette, I hate
2: to say it, but I would experiment with turning it on you for a little while, and <laughs> it would be really oh. sad for all of us. Yeah, I
0: would take it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, she
2: could take it. She'd pull up her leathers and her chains and her straps. <laughs> oh, no. um, my Might friends, be your shit as okay. I write to you on this Thursday afternoon, because he didn't quite realize that we had to push our podcast back to Saturday this week, and I'll explain that in a moment, but I oh, have my found my brain novel. is broken from a long... Week that somehow isn't even over yet well, he should have known that we were recording this on saturday but i didn't tell him i was wondering if you guys could help pick my spirits back up by maybe talking about some comics oh maybe some comics that came out this week or maybe last week heck you could talk about comics that came out 10 years ago if you wanted to you could also talk about things related to or unrelated to the comings and goings of your lives Maybe even throw in some inside baseball shop talk that would make my week. What a love that will echo through my, the ages well wow. okay well let's okay in the interest of will let's not let's do it let's, let's not do a let's not do a question this week what's a little uh, what was a little <clears throat> inside baseball comic shop thing we had to deal with this week you guys what was a hot comic what was something that we sold out of what was something we were bummed about happened what was
1: like a I think shop that night? the biggest thing this week was the paper that marvel printed Uh uh three or four uh books on Uh Um, and word on the street is that it wasn't a decision that marvel made but a decision that the printer made when they ran out of better paper and it's it's probably not a one-off thing i'd be surprised if they could staunch that wound this this quickly but i'll bet that within two or three weeks it'll that that bummer paper will yeah, it run itself through Cheng it, it was, was
2: one ghost cage from image is also one um but mostly they were marvel but yeah there was a number ghost of Marvel cage books just, this week.
1: ghost cage is the same paper stock on the inside as it is on the outside which image does quite a bit but well, the, we could the paper is okay we
2: could split hairs but pulling <laughs> this book this week i had to worry about how wet my hand was because i felt it wrinkling pages and that does not usually
1: happen we're mm-hmm. yeah, buckle up. We're we're headed for weird paper times with comics.
2: So that was a weird that was a weird thing uh that happened. A little and more a couple behind the scenes thing. Uh there was a foil cover to We Have Diamonds number one that was like advertised as cover price, but it's gone up in price since then. So in the first like half hour of the day, we sold all of those. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. was kind and of and it's a hot still available
1: from week. Diamond, I think. Yeah,
2: it doesn't make sense. Doesn't make yeah. sense, but it's selling for higher than that. Um what else? What else? Shop talk. What were some other news from the the store this week? We got we restocked on a tremendous amount of manga. So Django and I irresponsibly spent our entire wednesday shifts <laughs> dismantling the manga shelves planning what we wanted to do moving shelves readjusting shelves realphabetizing manga and putting a whole bunch of new product on there we did all of that because it was like that's kind of a slow wednesday i bet we could sneak back and do this large-scale thing with, with us <laughs> no regard for what might happen and then sean came in like 45 minutes early and he was like well i'm gonna go hang out in the back and we we're like Cool. Good that you're here. Hang out up front. And he was like, no, I'm going to hang out in the back. We're like, okay, we would love you up front, even though you're here early to not, you know, it was, uh, um, but but we, we made that work. So that's a pretty exciting thing. The manga stuff changed. It looks very good. Comings and goings of our lives. Uh, the reason we're recording Saturday is because Thursday night we were going to record but I had woken up early that morning to do a bunch of order stuff. The initial order, the big monthly order was due this month. And then Django and I were going to do a walkthrough on the uh, POS system we've been working on. And or Django specifically has been working on. And I woke up and I read farting on Reddit. It. Yeah, he's farting. I read <laughs> on Reddit. There was the 50th anniversary of The Godfather, which is one of my favorite movies of all time. And I was like, I'm going to watch that today while I'm doing all these orders. So I just rented it, paid four bucks, sat down on my couch, got an hour into it, like 55 minutes while doing orders. And I was like, if this is a big anniversary, I wonder if it's like playing at our local movie theater. (laughs) And it wasn't. And then I was like, that's a bummer. And I was like, what if we check our actual local small press theater? And they were playing one showing of it the entire year. And it was that night and it was at eight o'clock. So I texted Roman and Django and I said, can we cancel the podcast and do it on Saturday instead? Because I want to go see Godfather and I bought you guys tickets and Roman was too busy to go. But Django came and Sam and Django and I went and saw The Godfather and it was awesome. It was so (laughs) awesome. Django, um, I don't expect you to have the same reaction that I did, but one to ten year Godfather experience. Did you how long had it been since you've seen The Godfather?
1: Well, watching it, I'm not sure that I ever have sat down and watched it start to finish. Yeah, I don't Mm -hmm. think that there were any parts of it that I haven't seen, but I don't think that I'd seen it as one piece Mm -hmm. before. Um, I would say that my feelings about it vacillated wildly while I watched it and it probably would have got scores anywhere from like a six and a half to a 10 at mm-hmm. any given moment mm-hmm. um, but I would I would say on the whole I'd I'd give it a solid nine nice nice
2: yeah. I, I'd go perfect 10 but I, I was astounded that you did stay awake through it um. yeah I didn't
1: I didn't fall asleep I also one, one thing that I really liked about it was that there were really no loose ends like every person you met had a story arc with a beginning and a death and and there really isn't there's there's no fat on there even though it's three full goddamn hours long you, you couldn't oh. cut much of that without cutting big chunks of things
3: oh
2: <clears throat> I think it's the best movie ever in terms of its like construction as a film, but that's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about two things picking snacks, eating snacks, rating snacks, and respect
1: for women. I don't, th- I, th- I don't,
0: I'm on the wrong podcast. I think, yeah, I, no, I'm in I the think- wrong room.
1: Oh, wait, wait. Mike
2: and Tom eat snacks. Never mind. Sorry. I've been polysci to that. 101. We're going to talk about We Have Demons this week. Number one, we're going to talk about Human Target number six, Ghost Cage number one rogues number one and the X deaths of wolverine number five and we're also going to have some buckshots in here <laughs> pretty excited um to do this uh, uh will a huge thank you to you for um getting that email in and also just being vulnerable and just saying hey guys i didn't have something fully done but one of my favorite things about all of that is Django buckshot go
1: oh shoot i read count crawley Amateur Midnight Monster Hunter Number One, uh, David Daschelmain and Lucas Kentner. This is a sequel to the previous Count Crawley book. It's wonderful. Our character doesn't; uh, she's not hard drinking anymore, but she's kind of coming into her own in uh, the monster hunter part of this story. And uh, the art's great. It's it's very Bernie Wrights, Bernie Wrightsonian. I think is the the term that you use for it. I also really like two comics from Scout this week. Oh, so jealous. I read Beyond the Beyond. Uh, it's a space story about uh, like a, a sister and a brother, and and just like this weird world that they're in. And she wants to be a space explorer like their parents. It was excellent. Uh, and then Cities of Magic, M A G I C K, also really interesting. Um, set in a world after technology is gone, and uh, where where people are using magic instead. And the just the the world is fully developed, and the characters are interesting. And the like—I'm not usually a big fan of magic, and I don't really want to be worried that we're going to see elves and and trolls and stuff. Um,
2: <laughs> worried,
1: and I don't think that we're going to see that in here. I think it's it's just a human world that dresses like they're at a Ren fair. Also, until my knuckles bleed, two and three were amazing art wise. Well
2: done, buddy. <laughs> So, Claude, if you hadn't noticed, my favorite thing, my favorite thing that's happened in several episodes is that last week Django introduced the idea of the saboteur buckshot, which is out it. of nowhere. You have to give your buckshot.
1: It's called and the oh fuck shot. Oh fuck shot.
2: <laughs> and if New Directions brought us anything, it was naked boners and an oh fuck shot. Uh, so, Django, I think both of those <clears throat> are on you. So, well done. I'm going to um, give
1: Count Crawley uh, seven and a half. I'm going to give Cities of Magic. And Beyond the Beyond, eight each. And until my knuckles bleed, I'm going to give them eight also. Uh, I wish somebody else had scripted it, but the art is spectacular.
2: Both the Scout books that Jenga talked about looked awesome. I brought them home to read. Didn't have a chance to yet, but the art is surprisingly good in them. And I just want to echo that uh, they're doing really, really awesome stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So do you guys want to get into We Have Demons number one from Dark Horse Comics? Sure, do let's, let's do, do this thing. This was written by Scott Snyder, art by Greg Capullo, colors by Jonathan. No, I think ink by John. Eh, I can't remember if Glapian does the ink or the colors, he does inks, and Dave McCaig does colors. Um, this is the first issue of a comic coming out from Scott Snyder's digital physical imprint that he's been doing, mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. not Substack, but it's this other thing that it's he's doing.
1: comicsology, right?
2: It's comicsology, yeah, and he's working yeah. on it to. He he writes a really thoughtful write up at the end and he doesn't fall (laughs) into the tropes of being like, this is a really personal story about when I found out my parents were demon hunters and I had to kill demons. But but it really is an honest explanation of why he's trying to experiment with digital and physical. And I think that many things in their conversation become either digital or physical in their Mm -hmm. pitch. And I think this one is really actually it does seem to be coming from a place of somebody who wants to try and have both of those mediums work in tandem to elevate the overall comics medium as a whole. Uh, That's kind of the story behind it. If you read the letters page in the back, the big two page Scott Snyder note. Um, But if you remove all of the context of it, this is just a kind of very dirty scott snyder horror book yeah and i gave one away today actually i gave well, frankly we can say it out loud because it's to the editor <laughs> of this podcast Al, a- andrew friend of the show was like jeff this is your pick of the week i've never liked a scott snyder book like i've just i've never liked them i haven't read everything but like am i gonna like this and i was like you know what i feel like if you've never liked a scott snyder book i think that this one is worth trying out mm-hmm And do you agree with that? Do either of you agree with that? And if so, pick it apart or agree with it.
1: I I don't blindly trust Scott Snyder. I think sometimes he knocks it out of the park for me and sometimes he doesn't. So I always kind of go in with the the knowledge that I might drop it two issues in. And I'm not going to drop this. I, I thought that the pacing was really good. They made us care about these characters before they gave us the uki demons and the the f- kind of fantasy elements. And uh, this is, I think, one of the best paced things that I've seen from him in a long time. So I would I would say, sure, Scott Snyder jumping on point. Why not?
2: I, I actually absolutely agree with what you say. I think this is the best paced Scott <laughs> Snyder book I've read in a while. Colette, where did you fall on this one? We have debos. Sounds a little bit like, hey, Colette, can I tell you something? Hey, what? We've got crabs now. <gasps> Sorry, bud. We've got crabs now. <laughs> Hey Django. What? Bud. What? You and I? We've got gonorrhea now. I'm sorry. I should have told you that beforehand.
1: Oh, um, like the clap? Yeah, bud. That's yeah. We should change the podcast name so people don't know that about us anymore. We've got. <laughs>
2: um, sorry, that was just Ugh. my joke. Every time I hear yeah. this title, all I can think about is somebody confessing that they have some sort of STI. <laughs> sorry, bud, we've got this now.
0: Now that's all I can think about. um (laughs) think about how
2: good or bad the book was
0: it wasn't bad by any means but i don't it didn't hit me the way it did you guys it seems like i i am very hit and miss with scott snyder and often i i don't know i feel like his his stuff often drags for me but it's usually worth like payoff moments that he hits some really strong arcs in his stories that Mm -hmm. will get me through but but often it um it kind of drags for me and i it kind of felt like homework a little ways through mm. maybe i was tired but just the the heavy narration yeah
2: there was heavy narration
0: hev- i i just was like can i get two more speech bubbles per page just yeah, like and not just, <laughs>
2: paragraphs
0: just a little bit that's not his waxing poetic uh oratory uh scholarly but not form that he likes to to get into um I like the concept. I liked the the plot points, but it just the, it lagged for me quite a bit. But I also am not a huge Capullo fan. And I'm so not, had... I'm not
2: either. I want to, I want to be real clear about that. And I, and I really agree with you about the kind of the lagging nature of it. So, so our readers or our readers. I don't know if they're readers, listeners, watchers, I don't know, viewers. But what I do want to say is that, um, so this is the story about a girl who is the daughter of a, Preacher, pastor, father, whose wife, mother is gone, and she was raised just by him. And he's a really cool guy, and he leads the church that they go to, and she's grown up with him. But he's got this weird, kind of like maybe shady double life that she's never fully understood. She finds out in her teens that he goes somewhere called hell, you know, like once a year or every couple of months, and she doesn't know what it is. She tries to bring it up to him. He gets really defensive. So she kind of writes him off, goes off to college. And then what she finds out in the big reveal is that uh, he's actually been fighting demons, and there's a whole sort of like holy myth mythology about how this world was founded and what the kind of like negative and positive deity aspects of that are um so it's a kind of faith-based story about but it's also very irreverent and and violent um yeah colette i think you're totally right this sort of when i started it i was like oh man he's leaning into this like the the many of the first 15 pages are constructed by doing like five or six horizontal panels that uh, are stacked that take about two thirds of the page. And then the remaining third of the page is a giant vertical black column that has a whole bunch of text. There's a mini pages of that. And so it does feel kind of laborious to try and go through. But for me, I, I thought that the way that he doled out information kind of dangled the carrot of what I wanted to know mm-hmm. just far enough ahead of me mm-hmm. that I was always genuinely excited to be reading about what was, I was reading. And it also fostered my desire to, to, to learn kind of the big reveals of what was going on and what the story was. I do think that it was for me kind of a turning point on his pacing because I do agree that his pacing is like something that can either be very laborious or a little bit handed, like too handed to me. Oh. Um, but the, the Capullo thing, I, I really agree with. I think that there's going to be a big mark in Scott Snyder's career of when he got on board with Capullo And the direction of his writing really changed. Mm -hmm. And the art itself is also, I don't know.
0: Well, and I think if I had realized earlier on that this was going to be much more of an irreverent story and that it was supposed to be. So I feel like often when I'm reading Snyder, it seems like it's really, it can be really trying to be heady. Like he his need to like grab a metaphor and to just really like churn the story through that <laughs> metaphor. And it's yeah. like, okay, well, these characters are cool. I like this story. Can we get past this heavy handed metaphor thing? I just kind of was reading a lot of the narrative text in this that way. And if I, maybe if I'd gone in realizing that this is more of kind of like a, um, that it is a bit of a, an outlandish or more irreverent take on this kind of thing and read it, with a bit of that guise, it might not have felt so. um, I mean, listen to me, wax on and tell you this tale. Right. To be fair, he
1: did tell you that on the very first page talking about demons and buttholes and guns and stuff. Um, I think I wasn't bothered by the long narration bits, partly because this book is a third script in Mm -hmm. the back. So I went in expecting a pretty big time investment and I got that time investment just over fewer comic book pages. Yeah. than i thought i would have mm-hmm. but also one of my very favorite books that he's ever done was after death with jeff lemire and yeah, that was, was entire of that. pages of prose without any comic booking and we started as an all like novelist, his so. style yeah with that like i i that's that's just a a taste thing but i yeah i i was really impressed uh scott snyder's not an automatic yes for me and Digital comics in print aren't an automatic yes from me.
2: I think the write-up was a little <clears> bit <throat> weird for me. I talked about it with Django. It's a very weird sell to be like, hey, my whole family and I have switched to digital comics as the write-up at the back of a physical comic. It seemed yeah. like a weird thing. Um I'll also say that there's 18 pages of script in this. And like I want the scripts of a Grant Morrison comic, but like. I don't know like Scott maybe don't make this a 499 comic and then put an entire third of it as script like make me like give the mm-hmm. script to people when it's a good enough story that they want it I, okay it just seems like a...
1: this would have been a 499 comic without that script though do you think so I think it's I think it's 32 pages of story plus all the back matter the back and... matter is
2: his <clears throat> two pages of write-up
1: and the script all right but there's 18
2: pages of script that's almost a full comic
1: yeah, but I think it's 48 page comic. So I think the, the script is free. But I read a I read a chunk of the script. And it's interesting to see his process there because he like he gives a page 32. And then he gives an alternate version of page 32. And we don't really get exactly either of those. But it's yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I like the script more than I expected to. Um, I did.
2: I did. How cool would it be? if it. He put
1: a Grant Morrison script in the back of his own comic. Book. That'd be fucking.
3: <laughs> rad. I
2: did. I did read some of the script, so I was happy that it was there, and I did check it out. Um, if it's four ninety <clears throat> nine because there's eighteen pages of script, I would say give me a three ninety nine version without that. Right. But if it's four ninety nine and you threw those in there, production value will this is this episode is just kind of going back to your question. I'm gonna be willing to talk about some boring shop politics. <laughs> um you know, I, I would I think it'd be easier as a shop owner to get this comic into people's hands at a three ninety nine price point than a four ninety nine price point with a script in it for a book that they don't know that they like yet.
1: It's thirty-six pages a comic. Yeah,
2: that happens in three ninety nine books a lot.
1: Yeah, from image, yeah. 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 I liked it. I, I, would I liked it. it. Uh, yeah. I give it a solid eight and a half.
2: I think I'm going to go nine. I don't think we talked a lot about what I liked. I liked how the mystery was doled out. I liked the writing. I liked the characters a lot. Um, he didn't deprive me of information so much that I was starved until it got me at the end. He didn't overload it. I loved it. And as somebody who doesn't really like Capullo that much. Uh, I thought the art was really, really nice, and it really tickled me that he got as dirty and irreverent as he did. I, I'm, I'm splitting hairs and picking out the meat off the bones when I'm talking about the script and the price. Like, I think that this is worth the price, even just the comic pages for 49. This is a, um, this is the most I've enjoyed a Scott Snyder number one in quite a while.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm right there. Colette, is it the most you've enjoyed a Scott Snyder number one, and still not your favorite comic?
0: No. <laughs> but, I like Noctera you a lot better. I was just gonna say, yeah, you well, mentioned I like the you... first arc of Noctara. The second yeah. arc has not been doing it for me. Mm. Um, but uh I'll give it a seven and a half. Like it, it was it just didn't do it for me the way that you guys yeah. did it, but it's quality, maybe it's just not for me.
2: It has all come out, as far as I know. My um, our, our friend and listener Justin Prouse mentioned to me that he has bought it all digitally because <clears throat> it came out with the comic jolly and read it all and really liked it. So um, that's interesting to know. And Justin was totally on board to buy it in the physical version as well. So yeah. if you are like Justin and you um, are down to check out things digitally and then also support a store by getting it physically, that's really really cool as well. So we really appreciate that, especially when you're supporting creators that you really like or experimenting with trying to move the medium up. Um, Django spoiler alert spoiler alert we need to to talk about spoiler alert because i want to talk about human target number six but i think there's a big spoiler in
1: this Mm -hmm. oh i think there is so we might spoil this comic if you haven't read it yet you're i don't want to say you're fucking up but you're fucking up Mm -hmm. Gar side he's not reading
2: it
3: we did a whole podcast
2: about it we did a whole podcast about it he gets his pod his gets his comics from a shop in bulk oh that's right So it's not that he's reading these weekly. So he's probably going to read a whole bunch. He's going to read this, but we don't know if we're getting this at a time. So Garside, our good friend, if we are messing this up for you, oh, that's a great segue. Hey, Brian, we got an email from Brian Garside. Before we get into human target, let's do this. My friends, dear listeners, sometimes we mess up. We had a good email from uh, Andrew last week that we didn't get on the podcast. We're going to get it on today, but this week, unrelated, Brian Garside. Uh, some of his emails got came to me and I thought they were just him talking to me as a friend, but sometimes they're also uh, podcast emails. So everyone maybe throw in your subject line if it's for me or the podcast.
1: Right? Friends. Okay to print. Okay
2: to print. I like that. Okay. Friends, longtime listener, multi-time <laughs> emailer, and I have a question for you. With the impending release of Marvel's Moon Knight on Disney+, Plus, what would you consider essential reading in order to prepare for the show? In my many, many years of comic collecting, I have vague recollections of, of a Stephen Pratt, uh, Stephen Platt, where the heck did that Simon, guy go? Simon Platt? Sir, he's at Stephen, Stephen Platt. Platt. Series that's really that's really my entire Moon Knight exposure. What say you oh. good fellows, forever your frigid knucklehead. God, I love Brian Garside. <clears throat> and Brian, if we didn't read anything, it's just that I kind of I read it as a me- message just to me. Um, so I'm sorry. Um I have an answer for that, but I'm curious what the two of yours answer for the Moon Knight question is.
1: I mean, the one I would like to put in every single person's hands is that Jeff Lemire run.
2: Mm-hmm. That's what I would, I would, I yep. want everyone to read that one.
1: And I suspect so that that's going to be pretty close. I, I, I'd be surprised if that didn't give you enough setup to to watch the show. I think also like the Mr. Knight part of his persona, it didn't first appear in... Warren Ellis's run, but it I think that was a, a big part of it. Like and that was only he, he kind of brought it to the front. See so if you can it track was short that and it. It was super experimental. Like I, I don't think it was great, but it was it was that. And I did like those plat cover issues that were written by like Mark Guggenheim or somebody like that, I think. Mm-hmm. Um David Finch covers and they were like super gory Marvel Max, mm-hmm. just like balls to the wall adult comics with Moon Knight I thought those were really cool and one of my one of the earlier comics that I remember reading like before I think I'd even ever bought a comic for myself that wasn't Indiana Jones was a Moon Knight comic by uh, Sienkiewicz Claire, what do you think
0: <clears throat> yeah I love that let me run I deeply love that one and and I actually really liked the Bemis stuff that came after it too and oh, that was good too. a fair amount of people dropped off during that but I thought that, that was solid um and yeah, I, the, that Warren Ellis run is great. Um, yeah, I haven't, I think I've actually read that much of the other stuff. I've been itching to read that Bendis run of it, but I haven't gotten to it yet. But yeah, that Lemire and Smallwood run is just fantastic all around, even if you're not specifically searching out, reading about Moon Knight.
2: Yeah, I totally agree with Colette. I think that the Lemire run is the top of my list. I would say below that is the, uh, the Sienkiewicz art run. Mm -hmm. And I forget the dude that wrote it. Who was it? It's like not Michelin. Yeah. It's Doug Munch wrote it. And I think that that's great to give you the historical context of Moon Knight. Mm -hmm. And then I would say that the third one below that is the Bendis one. In my mind, I think that the Bendis one works really good in tandem with the Lemire one because it really approaches the multiple personality thing in different ways. And mm-hmm. I think that basically every writer has approached the the multiple multiple personality of uh, Moon Knight in a different way. And I think that between the Bendis one with Maliv, so it looks and feels great, and then the Lemire one with Smallwood and Stoko, like, yeah. um, but between those, if you can read both of those. I think you can span the chasm that is all of the different ways that you approach that character. But I, I yeah. think maybe one of the downsides of that character is that everyone kind of approaches him differently. So it's hard to have one definitive one, but I think all three of us agree that that Lemire one paints the best and maybe most accurate kind of like general picture of him. So uh, they did yeah. just release that in paperback and it's really, really great. And it has mm-hmm. between Stoko, Smallwood and one other artist that I'm forgetting. It's doing incredible. Is it Fornes. I don't think so, but maybe it's, it's a third one. Maybe somebody could look it up. Um, but, uh, but that, that's our answer for that one. Um, but now thank you for writing that in, Brian Garside, Mm -hmm. always in our hearts, ever in our minds. And thank you for letting us be eternally in your ears. Uh, (laughs) let's talk for a second about the human target, Tom King, Greg Smallwood. This is the final issue in a little bit that we get. Uh, before a several-month hiatus. I don't know if it's so that they can get ahead on it or what the reasoning is, but... um, So, spoilers, everyone. This is a book. It's one of our favorite writers, and a big thing happens in this. I guess uh, I'm a little bit more interested in just hearing the two of you talk about it, particularly Django, just because some big stuff happens in this related to some characters that he likes. And I would say that there are not many comics that I read where there is a single-page turn that shocks me and there was one in this book so if you are avoiding that spoilers dip out read it come back um but the two of you Django, as a guy gardner fan what the fuck
1: yeah so we get like in the previous issue we found out that martian manhunter and fire were having a relationship and in this issue chance kind of tells ice that he thinks he thinks that fire is mixed up in his murder And she gets pissed and leaves and then they have makeup sex and it's so good that she loses control and freezes the pipes in her house. And that's amazing. Um, I just love what a tough guy that makes him and what a, just what a, I don't know. There's something about her that, that is just accidentally so sweet and also terrifying at the same time. And then Guy Gardner, her longtime, Justice League International boyfriend shows up as like playing the role of the abusive boyfriend in the crime story. And he hurts Chance and Ice freezes him. And then the human target, Chance, punches him in the face and shatters him. And then Ice pushes his body over and finishes shattering him. And then they have sex while Guy Gardner, her recent ex boyfriend's body, melts on the floor in little tiny pieces. And it was so fucked. And if I didn't if I didn't think that at this point, Tom King is only making comics outside of the main DC universe, I would think that this was a ruse, but I don't think that this is a ruse. I think this is a thing that just happened in this story. Jenga, we don't know that they had sex over his body. They just kiss
2: each other, and then we see the pieces mount. Close enough.
1: Yeah, that, That's a yeah. long kiss.
0: They were stupid for sure.
2: Dude, that that shot of him breaking Guy Garner's face like stunned me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, and what I would say is that I think this moment is the best usage, maybe, of a Black Label comic there has been. Because it feels like it's part of the main universe, and then it does something that is shocking and doesn't need to have repercussions within the main universe. Like, like, if he had killed Guy Gardner, everything would have been crazy in the DC universe. But this is, like, everything about this could have not been Black Label, except for they swear and maybe have sex. Mm -hmm. And then this happens and you're
1: like, Oh, we're in a new continuity now. And I loved that. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And the way that he does it, like he manipulates that situation to be able to punch guy like that. He shoots at, and and he did a very similar thing in like issue one or issue two with guy where he distracts him by attacking him, even though he knows Mm -hmm. that he's not going to win in order to let someone else have the chance to take guy out. Right. And, and he knew what was going to happen here. His narration his narration is just like, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to shoot at him. It's not going to get him and, and I'm going to distract him so ice can take over. And holy shit. And then, of yeah. course, at the end, we have a new femme fatale in his office above the pizzeria.
2: So that's the big question. So I want to know who you think that is. And then I just want but it following up on that. Yeah. Like I didn't until this moment really realize like how premeditated that murder was. Mm-hmm. Like They murdered him.
1: Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, and he planned it. And and that falls into like a very Tom King vibe to me of just like, God, the heroes aren't the heroes and the villains aren't the villains. But who shows up at the end there? Fire. Fire. Okay. 100%. fire. Yeah. Cool. The only oh, yeah. time yeah. I have ever, ever even heard of fire was the issue before this, issue before oh. this. <laughs> I've, I've never even heard of these characters fire's oh, got I green just, hair green
0: hair yeah that was yeah, my I whole did. thing is it's, I, I assumed it, fire. Fire I assumed then, it yeah. was fire I assumed it
2: was fire because the previous issue but I was just like I I at if I'm gonna be the voice of the people who don't have history you're not telling me who this is
3: so this created is a green,
1: created clumsily enough to be a a fiery latina like but she's fiery in personality and in powers and, you know, like, like pretty on the nose character power and, and personality wise from I do, the eighties. I do think that
2: her line, hello, Christopher, it's nice to see you. It's been a long time. And he says, I'm a fucking idiot. like, I do think that, like, it was her all along, which we've been, Colette, I know you've been listening. So our last couple, when we've been talking about Human Target, it's been this idea of, like, is, you know, ice to blame? Is she the default femme fatale or whatever? But I think that the twist is that, like, she is, but she's not because it's actually fire, because they share a consciousness. So they know a thing. So it's her, but not her.
0: Mm. Okay. Okay.
2: Because like everyone mm. says in noir, it's always the girl that walks in, the dame walks in. But this way, he could have it be the gate dame that knocks in, walks in, and also not be the dame that walks in.
1: They're they're they best buddies,
2: fire and ice, or fire, fire and, and chance. Well, fire yeah, but ice. they're not in this book. They're yeah, owning they people. Right? I know exactly. Yeah, but I mean, you
0: could be best friends and still be manipulating situations and not telling each other all the truths. And oh, some... don't
2: hey, it. don't tell well, Django that. Don't oh, tell me. Okay. I don't. I don't I want
0: him to know that stuff. I don't want I to know that I stuff. won't. I won't. Okay.
1: What are you guys talking about? Huh?
0: I'm
2: talking about ten? For a second, I'm hey,
0: talking Jingle, look about how hot they are. Look how Fucking hot oh, they
1: are. God. Even Guy Gardner's sexy in this, and he looks like Opie. <laughs> he looks like uh Lex <laughs> Luthor. I would
2: give yeah. this I... one a ten. I don't think I could give it anything but a ten. I think this is a, a shocking, incredibly drawn, incredibly written issue. that you know the Midnight Man. Doctor Midnight is amazing. Like this yeah, I don't know. What what sorry, what are the thoughts?
0: Oh, I it's fine. I just I love this series so much and this issue just every single one just knocks me on the on my ass and each one after that does even more. Um they're so they are so fucking hot. Chance and Ice are just like Again? oh, it's it's just stupid how perfect and alluring and everything they are and I I love this so much. I think it's Tom King's by far his most entertaining work. I don't know that it's yeah. his, my favorite of his. But I was it's, it's the most entertaining for me. I was to just read, leaning well back in my
2: so chair weird. trying to compare it to those. Like I like, and I think of Rorschach and Strange Adventures in this one, which all feel of a similar time to me. Mm-hmm. Like I, I can draw a timeline between those. This is, I think, my favorite of those. And I agree, like entertaining, but also um You can enjoy this without it being predicated on the ending. I think Strange Mm -hmm. Adventures, a lot of it was like, kind of my excitement for the moment was thinking about how it was going to end. And I think that was true of Rorschach as well. And there was so much mystery there. This one, I do want to know how it ends, but I also feel like I'm getting more out of the present moment of each issue than I do of the other series. So I really like
0: that. I I find myself just wanting to sit in each panel much Mm -hmm. more. And in the simplicity and and so much of that is Smallwood too, just impeccable yeah. work. I loved studying the shadows. So Django brought that up. I, I didn't yeah. notice
2: it until Django brought it up. But the, like, it's not even just shadows. It's like it's experimental shadow work it, mm-hmm. in, in the way that like like I haven't seen a lot of noir films that like Django and Roman talk about. But when I think about them, I think about shadows.
0: Oh yeah, and,
2: definitely. And this is experimenting with shadows in a in a comic book version of that but it doesn't feel like it's just eeping noir it's just actually experimentally doing things with shadows that I've never really seen before
0: I love just really studying any panel where someone the few ones where anyone's face is fully lit because it's so rare that anyone's face is fully lit in this comic yeah. and oh it's just beautiful and I mean I think I think as far as best Tom King work like Mr Miracle and probably Supergirl still are on a separate tier for me in, in the like, I don't know, but this is, this has been the most compelling and fun for me to read. And I just itch for each new issue. I want, I want it to never end. And as much as I hate that there's going to be uh, a break, I'm kind of glad it's not going to be over six months from now.
2: Um, I just want to say uh, <coughs> one thing. So Colette, I am <coughs> stunned there is not one face in this entire issue that is fully lit. Yeah. And I did not realize that. Yeah. And, issue
0: three, I started picking up on that, and and it, that.
2: That is a great take. So anyone listening to this, as you're reading through the rest of the series, keep an eye on that, that, that I do think is, is significant. I just want to say that um, a couple pages, one, two, you know, like page five or six of this issue is the credits, the credits, mm-hmm. like in every issue of this have been incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, the way they're incorporating that is so, so cool. So Claude, I have one question for you
0: yes please 90 seconds sus- go buckshot oh god um <laughs> i read uh, I'm an assassin until my knuckles bleed two and three this is a really cool series to look at the art in um but i don't really care about the story kind of cool concept but the actual stories meh. anyway uh and then i also read uh Trial of the Amazon's Wonder Girl, number one of two by Joelle Jones, uh, car- colored by Jody Belair. And this is one of those, I mean, it's fucking Joelle Jones. I love her so much. I can't even ever judge her stuff. I do, I thought this was one of those comics that was a really great example of filling you in on a lot of stuff that has had to happen to get to this point but that we don't get to read without it feeling too jumped around or whatnot and we get through the story but it was also one of those comics where i was like well fuck i actually want to read the six issues that (laughs) this is synopsizing uh synopsizing synopsizing um uh it seemed like it would have actually been more entertaining than some of the the way that the first arc of wonder girl went um with the olympus stuff uh but it was fun and it's very very pretty and i actually enjoyed it not actually having read any of the other trial of the amazon stuff yet um so yeah and that's the only stuff that i read that we're not talking about so on.
1: well done well
2: timed that's <laughs> the that thing about you is you've got that ability to tell the future and stuff i love it <laughs> love it You're so damn good
0: Oh, um, God. so
2: uh, what were your scores for those? And then your score for human target number six.
0: Um, Until my knuckles bleed. I don't know. I'll give them six and a half. Sure. I don't know. Whatever. I read you know what what huh? I thought was
1: really interesting about until my knuckles bleed. It's like the setup is it's an old Liefeld character as an old man bouncer at a strip club. Mm-hmm. Right. And so you get like the Darwin cook thug in the strip club and he's flashing back to his kind of Rob Liefeld early image days as a, as a young blood team member, basically I would have liked, like, and the story centers around that. And he's chasing down those guys from his old team in, in bits of it. I would have really liked a little more of the flashbacky stuff.
0: And and his take on that. I would have liked a whole lot more of that world and him trying to deal with the being here now. Having been that and a lot less of the strip club hookers, human being trafficking, sh- human trafficking, but done in a like, a oh, but that's, hey, guess what? That's what this story is about. And now we're going to it was they didn't they didn't do fridge the women, they just of,
1: shipping containered the women. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Like, I don't care about this. Just give me his weird fucked up post hero soldier life. That's yeah. Yeah.
1: What's your score for uh, Wonder Woman, uh, Wonder uh, Girl, Trial of the Amazons Part 7?
0: Yeah.
2: I will give it... <laughs> so that's... A- pause. Inside baseball, Django and Jeff have been dealing with terrible DC series oh. codes about how to relate <laughs> Trial of the Amazon to anything. So um, that maybe doesn't make sense verbally, but people assign series codes. They're based on things like series and things, and they gave us the series codes... For trial of the Amazons, but it was the series code for Wonder Girl and,
1: and uh, was, Nubia and, and th- no like sorry, not and Wonder Girls Nubia.
2: Yeah, it was uh, new. Anyway, so a if a you show. didn't get it, if you want to get it, I think that we have enough of all of them, but man, if not, I'll give you baseball, the I'll give
1: you the uh phone number for your DC senator.
2: If you're curious about how the comics that you subscribe to get into your file, the word is a hyphenate word and it's series code or maybe two (laughs) words and if you ever want to know about those things talk to Django and not Jeff
0: yeah
1: I'll corner
2: you if you ever want
0: your brain to bleed about something that you thought you loved uh, talk series codes I'll give uh, Wonder Girl an eight and a half because it's (laughs) fucking gorgeous and it was Mm. actually a really well constructed comic Um, how many stuff is can be up and down in the actual storytelling but this was a really solid example of it
1: How many tens do you give the human target? Number six.
0: I give it 554 tens plus 85 11s. Yeah,
2: I will give it as many as that plus four. So 10 plus four. Anyway, it's got to be the best book that we read this
0: week. It's so good. Yeah. Oh, her face is lit in one panel when he says, I think I'm falling in love with you.
2: I couldn't, but it's find... only,
1: it's only, you only see half of her face. Yes, good. So point. we don't know what's Same. going on with the other half. Again, that's the yeah. brilliance. Like ah. that mystery alone is
2: more of a mystery than any other book fucking <laughs> puts out there. And they're not, av- anyway, yeah. fuck, fuck you, fuck you. It's It's too good, too good, too good. Uh, Django, I was going to transition us to Ghost Cage. You cool with that?
1: I, I am, but can I say that, yeah, just on the Tom King subject today, yeah. we had a listener of the podcast, Tony, come in and I. He, I rang him up for his, um, human target and he's kind of newer to comics. And I was like, have you read, like, I don't want to, I don't want to try to upsell you or anything, but have you read Supergirl?" And he picked up everything we had for that. And, um, I just, I, I love that in our store anyway, Tom King has this gravity to him and we're able to really make sure that people find those, those amazing stories that he's doing.
2: Mm -hmm. And so, will harking back to your question, which was so good this week, let's just do inside baseball. Man, it's great to work in a store where you literally morally feel weird about the distinction between trying to share a thing that you like and upselling people <laughs> mm-hmm. um, because like, man, if someone starts talking about a Jonathan Higman thing, I would be like, cool. Have you seen his fantastic four, but I'm literally not trying to get you to give me money. I just want to talk about like, if you like this, you probably would also like this thing. And I just yeah. want us to be able to talk about fantastic Four together. Like, It's I that's had... such a crazy fucking thing, man, that we're not a... upselling you, but.
0: Yep. I had a couple of the other guys that we work with the other day, like making a comment to me about how, how much more comfortable or better at upselling I am than they feel like they are. And I was like, cause it's not, cause you gotta not think about it as upselling because that's not what we're doing. It's you like this thing. I want to make sure you know about some other stuff we have that you will also like. So you, can no one if talks you want to me about this point.
2: either, and I'm desperate to talk to someone about it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I also like that, and no one will fucking talk to me about it.
0: And speaking of that, and uh, uh, and yes. Will saying something about things that we've read in the past. I just finally read the uh, Marco Tamaki and Joel Jones uh Supergirl being super the other day. Finally, and that is one solid. to ten. Solid, very, very good good um yeah i'd give it a nine so uh that's that up
2: fucking high on the topic of fucking high let's talk about ghost cage yeah number one by nicholas dragota and caleb gulner um i really want to ask so all three of us read it read this Mm-hmm. there's yes. a new image book the first issue it looks like all the characters from east of west the art style is the same because it's the same artist at east of west but jonathan hickman is nowhere on board colette what do you think i gave this book before we started Ooh.
0: what do i think you gave it yeah oh for eight and a half
2: you think i gave it an eight and a half i don't
0: i oh i i don't want to have to i'm far too concerned about what you think that i think of you to know and yes well obviously here, we're not good but... enough
2: friends yet so uh <laughs> what do you think i gave it
0: no i know you enough that i worry about uh um i think you i think you Jesus. gave it an eight and a half or a ten i'm really scared to
1: answer i know right this. if we were, hey listen colette
2: if we were hey, Jago,
0: really what do you friends... think i think I, I think you think gave. that
1: Jeff gave it an eight and a half, but you're worried that it wasn't good enough to actually merit an eight and a half. And he's been polluted by his love for Jonathan Hickman and it's bled over into Nick Dragata. And uh, actually when he stood there and thought about it a little bit harder, he gave it a seven to a seven and a half. Yeah. I'm
3: worried like, that you would, I would Jeff either gave it like that.
0: a six and a half or a 10 and I'm going to yeah. be nowhere near either <laughs> yeah. of those is what's going
2: on. I, I would give it a seven and a half. Yeah, um, but Django has heard some of my opinions about it. Um, <clears throat>
3: yeah, uh, okay. I think this is a
2: really interesting book, and I'm just curious what someone that maybe doesn't have the baggage of Nick Dragotta and stuff maybe thought of this book. That well, I I have that
1: baggage. What did you think of it, Colette Like, what what did you th- a What did you think the story was? And b What did you think of what the story was?
0: I thought it looked really cool.
1: Good God, <laughs> did it look good? <laughs> Man, oh, man, did it
2: look good.
0: Oh, I, you know, I felt like I'd sat down 10 minutes into an anime that Jared was watching <laughs> and I watched a good portion of it while zoning out. Mm-hmm. And that's what I felt like when I read this book. I it uh, it's some big corporation thing that controls the power uh-huh. And maybe this guy is in charge of that corporation, or maybe uh-huh. he's from a separate group that's yep. infiltrating yep. it. I
2: feel the same so far.
0: And and then someone hits this big power tower that's got different, the power tower got different like uh, elemental entities living or trapped in it uh, with a bomb or something, and. Everybody who works there has to evacuate. But some girl is uh, who's like Uber employee uh, is staying behind because she's got a tech support ticket and she gets sent through to help this uh, uh, being that was created to infiltrate and uh, and and take down all the different, like, elemental beings, and she's helping him through while being uh, talked through by the, the grumpy old dude that either runs this place or is infiltrating this place. And that is what I read, but it was pretty.
1: <laughs> it, it Story-wise, I think it was exactly as much of a mess as everything you just said. I totally
2: but agree <laughs> with what you said. I, I enjoyed it. Agree.
1: I didn't care that I wasn't clear on why... This employee was going through different levels fighting coal and hydro and different different types of power sources. It, like none of that mattered to me because the adventure in each section was pretty entertaining.
2: Django, I feel very similar, except I was annoyed that I didn't know what was going on. <laughs> it it did look good, but what I was torn about was I can't like if this was just clearly a thing that looked good and didn't have something it was trying to say, I think I could enjoy it more. But I couldn't tell if this was trying to tell me something or not and also looked good. But I I think that like that is actually the feeling I've gotten from a lot of anime that I've started. So I think actually Colette's comparison and what I would say is maybe not far off from the creator's intention when they were doing this is that it does seem to have a real anime influence. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and I do think that anime can be really off-putting if presented in the wrong way. One of my favorite animes, the first episode, presents the entire show as a thing that it is not. And so I've told people like, hey, you should watch this thing, but don't watch the first episode. Like, <laughs> I, I think anime can do that. And I think this is mm-hmm. doing just that. Like, it's dropping you in in a weird way and it's not necessarily worrying that you get it or not. And maybe... What you get or don't get, get, maybe it does or even doesn't matter. So, like, all of that is a little bit more nebulous than I would have wanted it to be.
0: I felt like I don't mind being confused about what's going on and being along the ride for the journey. But there was just enough weird little key vaguenesses in the beginning that were... If they had been clearer, like the the old guy's motive, is he in charge or is he a separate entity?
2: I asked Jango the same thing. I
0: spent too much time throughout the rest of it trying to figure out from what I was seeing there if it answered that, like...
2: Seems like he if, runs it, but he's also attacking it.
1: He didn't attack it. Some terrorists attacked it and he sent Doyle, the the employee, and Sam to go stop the attack. Okay. And it's But he so, sent
0: the 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 big eye creature, which is the one. Sam. That's Sam. Okay, that's Sam. Okay.
1: Yeah, Sam's, yeah, that's Sam's right. one of the good guys. So, it's weird because everything I, I just reread this while we were talking, the the first like it, he's got he's got like a two-page spread plus a little bit that explains everything really well, but it doesn't make any goddamn sense until you've read the rest of the comic. And okay. I think I think that so I think I that's probably it. just just those two pages like it it kind of clarifies who he is and and what they're fighting it doesn't explain like the weird way that hydro and Coal and all these all these bad guy powers clever sources different versions of power humanized mm-hmm. but yeah i it, it does explain kind of who he is and and why the adventure is happening a little bit better than i realized because it was dense and confusing right out of the gate like that but then in even in those pages this his building
2: has levels Mm -hmm. and one Mm -hmm. says coal one says hydro one says gas so like one of those every level has a different level i think those were
0: the bad guys i thought it was that like all the different power sources are contained in this one tower on different levels but it sounds like sam to then go sounds like none
2: of us None of no one knows. And, and yeah. I'm okay with a book that you don't know what's going on in the first issue. I'm okay with that. And, and I think that I if that's going to be the way it goes, you got to have gorgeous art. And this one does have gorgeous art. And I'm mm-hmm. going to read the second issue because I do want to know what's going on. I just can't really tell if it's like, is this a confusing story? Or are you not good at telling it? That's what I, I can't yeah. tell that yet. And, but it looks good enough and I like him enough. Nick regatta. I don't know the other co-writer. I like him enough to put in the work to figure it out. But um, also this is the first time I've seen his name as a writer credit. So like, maybe he's just, you know, maybe he's not a great writer, but also maybe he is. And I just don't get it yet.
0: Well, there's also that like a great writer could be trying to do something conceptually and make yeah. a choice that in their head makes sense. And it doesn't quite translate the way that yeah it does. And, and, there could a, it could be as simple as there could have been like two extra beats towards the beginning that mm-hmm. clarified things just that tiny bit more i don't need this to be clear and i and i care that i was confused enough because it was cool and i want like yeah. i wish i could have enjoyed it the little bit more that just a tiny bit more clarity would have given yeah
1: um, um yeah. scores seven and a half i told you that when we were doing our yeah you're right, show you're right, tell you're right. for the program the other day
2: <laughs> um i yeah, i totally go. agree seven and a half
0: yeah same seven and a half
1: yeah i i stand by having it as my pick of the week in the store this week i think it's one of the the more interesting things to come out this week and uh the art is spectacular i i would really like to see that specific book color though. oh yeah you said that mm-hmm. and i totally agree with that
2: yeah I, um, I
0: i actually liked the black and white quite a bit you? but well i will say read white... it sorry. sitting at a table because i feel like i just ruined the copy that i was holding with my the sweaty ass Second hands. time <laughs> today
2: that you've talked <laughs> to your bosses about how the comics that you're reading are ruined so
0: yeah i i fucked up a lot of comics i'm today. just kidding. sorry guys um, um what i you... want to
2: say what i want to say Django, yeah. is that um i do agree that i think it needs to be colored i would like to see it colored but i think there's a really big manga fluent influence throughout the entire thing and i think if you're gonna have that the black and white does kind of make sense for that and if it allows them to get it out quicker and more cheap because they're both like neither of them are a huge name writer then i guess that's good as well uh the zip stuff yeah counterpoint counterpoint
1: what the fuck shot a minute thirty.
2: go i'm gonna go with i knew it godzilla Power Rangers number one, written by Colin Bunn, by Freddie Williams the second. Cullen Bunn, you're writing Power Rangers Godzilla books at the same time as C- cullen Colin Bunn, shame on you. Have some fucking dignity. What I'm actually here to talk about is Venom Lethal Protector number one, written by David Michelin, the guy who wrote the Venom stuff, yeah, from when you were a kid when you remember Venom came out. This was maybe the most fun I had reading comic started seemed kind of bad. I don't know that I liked it, whatever. But what I realized like halfway through it is every time that there was a transition scene, Colette heard me doing this in the store today because I was actually talking about how much I love this book, but the transition scenes, it was things like I'm flipping through. I'm sorry. And as afternoon lengthens the shadows in central park, dot, 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 or fucking um, um, afternoon slips into twilight, bringing a light, autumn rain to the Hudson River docks. Or, thus does evening deepen into night. Rain turns to drizzle. As on Liberty Island, troubled thoughts turn to the past. And soon, Jesus. at a well-kept townhouse year, New York great... Well, listen, morning returns bringing with it a rain-washed sparkle to the new Long Island complex. Listen to this! My favorite line, the entire thing was so over but the final thing, symbiote. Trembling, losing control. It's like trying to walk on ice after a pitcher of margaritas. <laughs> <laughs> I read that while Sam was asleep next to me in bed and I laughed out loud. Django, I just want to give it to you one more time. It's Venom talking to himself because David Michelin writes everything as an internal monologue, exteriorly as a bubble, and it says symbiote. Dot, dot, dot. Trembling, losing control, duh, 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 like trying to walk on ice duh, 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 after a pitcher of margaritas. <laughs> this, uh, that's, that is it's so,
3: so fucking school. good.
2: <laughs> hey, listen, Django, in Chinatown, the noise of celebration slowly returns. A sharp contrast to the silence at Eddie Brock's soul. While on the nearby river docks, cut to dialogue. Hey, Michael, check this out.
1: <laughs> it's so fucking good,
2: dude. While on Long Island, at Kellner Scientific Invitations, others would-be users conspire. It's
3: so fucking...
2: It is really fun, man. If you grew up liking Venom like I did, and you didn't read it, you just thought Venom was cool, um, Venom, The Lethal Protector, number one, written by David Michelin, art by... Um, you know, this is a low, low quality book, so it's not a cool embedded art. It's art by Ivan Fiorelli. It is so much fun and it does feel like the early nineties put right now. I, I laughed out loud reading this book. So if you are like, I like the Donny Case Venom book, but I also wish it was like bad, bad Venom <laughs> with Eddie Brock, which it is not anymore. This is doing that. And the title is Venom Lethal Protector brains are back on the menu so that should be all you need and i gave i literally gave that one a 10 godzilla mighty Morphin power rangers
1: you get a seven Colin bun scraping those sevens you get enough sevens you got 14 jeff you David get enough michelin sevens, you get you're doing
2: just fine
1: though um i remember when i was a kid and my mom we were we were driving in the car and my mom was we- reading an indiana jones comic out loud to me i think it was like Indiana Jones, number 14. Yeah, it was number 14. And at some point, Indy is talking about how like he confronted somebody about a crime that they'd committed and his face turned as white as spilt milk on a pillowcase. And it's that same kind of purple prose, just like this is ridiculous. Nobody talks like that, even in crime noir stories.
2: Hey, Django, I have to ask a question. What's that? Did you look up what Indiana Jones issue that was?
1: I looked it up to confirm
2: it, but I was right the first I, time. But I, but I, but listen, when you said I think it was fourteen, yeah, it was fourteen. That was a that was a bit of an indulgence, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, I, yeah. I scrolled down and found yeah. it. Yeah, I watched your 14. eyes,
2: baby. I it watched your
1: eyes. Do that. Wonderful cover. That hey, listen. Now that we're out of new
2: directions, I am tearing you down. Yeah. <laughs> Doctor Down, yeah, your your nurse, Doctor Taryn, is here. Uh, he's going to give you Taryn Down.
1: Uh, all right, Jeff, a minute thirty, Buckshot, go. So
2: I wanted to talk about Rogues Number One by Joshua Williamson. What I thought was really interesting about this book is that it was written by Joshua Williamson, <laughs> um, and then the other thing about it is that the art was drawn by Leo Max, who does the art in uh, the Nice House on the Lake. No, yeah. I'm just kidding that writer wrote a different book and it was basket full, full of heads.
1: Of heads. And basket, then, basket full of heads. Yeah. Fuck! Fuck! <laughs> fuck! Uh,
2: I think it was that, but no, it was that. Yeah. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Oh, rogues number one, oh. Leonard Snart. You don't get enough good stuff these days. Captain Cold, uh, the Flash is kind of number one villain. Almost embarrassing that in the Silver Age, that the Flash was created in. Jango would never do that to me. In the Silver Age, that, <laughs> the Flash was you know like created in.
1: Um, oh yeah, he would never do that
2: to you. Yeah, it seems like a logical thing that. Uh, yep, yeah, no, he would never do that. Um, <laughs> it's, he would never seems crazy you know it makes sense like the guy that would be the villain of the flash would be the guy that can slow him down but the way that the comic universe has evolved is the flash is so much more powerful than the idea of just being fast he's like right. atomic he's molecular he's dimensional he's multiversal and captain cold is still just a guy with a gun that can make you turn to ice um and not even so severe that you're gonna punch through his head you know <laughs> um well actually you're right this mm-hmm. is the story of like Captain Cold being kind of bummed that he's Captain Cold and then give us a 10-year jump and then old man Captain Cold re-recruiting. See, Jenga would never do that thing to me. Uh, Sorry, uh, we'll cut that out. Uh, Re-recruiting. Don't
1: you dare cut that out. (laughs) Captain Cold re-recruiting
2: the rogues uh, and that's pretty fun. Um, but Django, J- I got, I I hadn't read this yet. And you were like, that's really good. So I was like, oh my God, I have to read a black label book, which always takes a little bit more work than I wish it did for me personally. But I'm, I don't regret it at all. I thought this was great, but what was it that sold you on it?
1: Some of the gorilla stuff that it was actually your was, monkey guy. It was when he said who they were going to rob. I was reading this somewhere kind of public. And when, when he said oh yeah uh it's not a bank it's not a capes territory it's a private vault with a single owner who would never call the cops and you turn the page and he's like gorilla Grodd. I was like oh fuck i don't care much about gorilla Grodd. i don't really care about the rogues but that reveal sold me 100 percent. plus so, Jenga, it's like did old, you read old men getting the band back together to to commit crimes
2: did you read the front credits page of this comic no rogues book one once upon a time it's leonard snart as captain cold lisa snart as golden glider and featuring <laughs> gorilla Grodd as himself <laughs> like so i did read the credits and i was like oh that's a pretty fun credit page yeah that's a pretty fun credit page
0: mm-hmm. it's my favorite part of the book
2: so colette <laughs> did you not like this book
0: i couldn't care about it i i tried but it just i just didn't care about anybody what was going on the art was cool but like it wasn't bad it was just like this isn't for me i'm i'm bored um it felt like an episode
1: of of peacemaker to me almost like that that kind of ensemble like a bunch of doofuses getting together and clearly not gonna pull off whatever they try to pull off and i like that
2: i liked it quite a bit um and i liked the art in a lot and i think that like Django and colette um we're never like the people carrying the torches for Joshua Williamson but
1: no. so i wish i could i think this is up it's there and
2: maybe the best joshua williamson number 1 i've ever read
1: it's certainly the first one that i'm planning on reading the next two and the art was
2: great maybe if it was steve lieber it would be better but you know maybe that's something you can say about every comic ever
1: yeah maybe but like the the, the two page the spread good. of his Bummed out 10 years later house is amazing. Yeah, you're right. The gorilla you're right, you're stuff right. in the beginning, like all of the body language is you're spot right. on.
2: Nope, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. It is great. Yeah.
1: Steve Lieber. But I think I think Leo Max is uh 90 90% of the whole package there. No,
2: you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right.
0: Yeah, I think I'll probably give the second issue a go because it's it really does have a lot going for it. I think I just really don't like the I don't often enjoy the part in the story where the the protagonist is convincing everybody that they've fucked over in the past to get back on board yeah. like something about that kind of like stroke. that pushing yeah. and that manipulation just kind of it, it's it's not necessarily ooky to me but i just don't vibe on it but there are the the caper that they try to pull off after they get back together um I think as much if that's the more the feel that this book is going to have um, i'll probably read number two
1: it's not even a hard caper and they can't no. pull it off yeah and i think that the way that he's convincing everybody to come back into the gang is kind of foreshadowing for the way that he commits them all to <clears throat> the next scam right like he's a I, bad dude mm-hmm. he's a bad guy I told,
2: and I totally agree. And I think to that point, if somebody came into the comic shop and was like, "Hey, you, hey, comic shop people, the uh, the Flash is like big villains or the Rogues, what, what? I want to know about them. What should I read? Like, what the fuck would we tell them?" And I think when this is collected, Animal Man with
1: Mirror Master in it,
2: <laughs> yeah, I think when this is collected, this is going to be a pretty good like, hey, this is a it's set up as a pretty good umbrella for a story that will examine the characters. Of five or six pretty important people to the mythos of a different character that is much more important, like the Flash, like mm-hmm. the Rogues. Everyone knows the Rogues, but you're like, okay, yeah, there's Mirror Master and Captain Cold and uh, uh... Uh, and and, <laughs> but they're really important. They're like the Flash's villains. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah. so I think that if the three of us, people who don't talk about the Rogues gallery much, can get through this and like it or like it a lot, you know, that that's pretty impressive. I I think that. At the very least, it's something that will be very good to have on the shelves of comic book shops uh, for people to be able to figure out the characters of a lot of people. Because, like you said, Django, like Captain Cold's a bad dude, but he's also sympathetic, and I think this explores that pretty well.
0: Well, I like that it goes from the like making him seem sympathetic early on to making you more and more dislike him, or like, or or feel yeah disturbed by him, or he's more distasteful. I think the the equation to Peacemaker seems pretty right to me i didn't really i had a hard time with the show in the beginning but it once it got Mm -hmm. past the uh all the setup and the establishing the fucked up relationships of the characters and then they could actually just go on their journey and and hopefully this will continue like this because it is a solidly well done comic i wanted to like it better than i did
2: y'all got scores for it eight seven eight point five Nice. i'm gonna go to the top one i i think it was yeah i think it was i think it was on the, the cusp of very good to great Django, can my we do my sincere something?
1: hope That this is Joshua Williamson's new direction yeah. Three issue stories that I like mm. Instead of six issue stories That I drop off to in Hey Josh, you got 90 seconds, go uh, I read Black Hammer Reborn
2: This is the fourth time that you've tried to cover For him, Jango, I think we just need to Finally admit that maybe Joshua Williamson Is not going to show up for our fucking podcast
1: <laughs> Yeah He's probably not He's probably like he, busy with all of his fucking series
2: at DC multiversal, Comics. M- yeah. Multiversal Justice Infinity
1: fucks. <laughs> hey, did you, speaking of multiversal justice, yeah. yeah. Did you read I, X Deaths of Wolverine number five? I did. Benjamin Percy, called Segway, motherfucker. Vicentini. <laughs> you should
2: edit this. Um. <laughs> This is the final issue of the X-Lives, X-Deaths of Wolverine saga that Benjamin Percy wrote that we've been gifted with for, wow, I guess probably two and a half months now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <Can we take? laughs> and I think before we go into that, let's hear a fucking email from Andrew Carlson. Voicemail.
3: Hey guys, Andrew here. So kind of wanted to answer Will's question from last week because your Tom two. Waits thinking gave me an idea and it's Tying in to Will's question of the week as well, um, I think it would be really fun to have a Metalman slash Robot Man crossover. Uh, I mean, maybe it's happened before, um, but I, <laughs> I just, it would be fun to have the Metalman kind of teach Robot Man more about his own humanity, and in in return, have them learn more about humanity through Robot Man to. And I don't know any Tom Waits albums by name, um, but my old roommate was a is a big fan. And I think it was his 90s stuff. It sounded very, like, industrial and, like, him banging on pots and pans and trash cans. Oh, that's me. what I want as the soundtrack for the movie. So mixing two questions, but uh, I, I think that's what I would uh, want for mine. Now, I can't let you guys go without asking a question of my own, of course. So uh, if you had to make a superhero into a chocolate truffle or a truffle of any kind, maybe a mushroom truffle. Um, What, who would you do? Why would you do it? What what would it taste like? Construct something delicious, guys. I don't know. I'm just feeling a little hungry right now. So fun with that one.
1: If I, I'm going to take it as if we had to make it ourselves and I would make mine to look like the blob. Because I think that's the the height of my skills in chocolatiering. 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 And it would taste like M and M's because I would just melt a bunch of fucking M and M's and put them in a ice cube tray. Um, Claire,
2: what's what's yours? Patisserie, Patissiere, book Uh oh,
0: fuck.
2: I sent you a text.
0: I know you, you distracted know me and I, I, kind distracted missed, I kind of missed the question.
2: Okay, my, mine is uh, Captain America drawn by Rob Liefeld's pillowy breast chests uh, filled with um, the ice cream of... Um,
0: oh, it's got to be a marshmallow fluff.
2: Yes, sorry, a marshmallow fluff of... It's
0: all that chest is.
2: Uh, So his, his chest is wafers. He's got chest oh. wafers. And then he has the cream of another character between his breasts like in pockets is little, it, is little
1: it, pockets like
0: a is sandwich it the cream from the zit from uh being super when she no no
2: it's 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 we're moving on let's talk about X deaths of wolverine number five by benjamin <laughs> percy um django this is the end of this series. this this 10 issue story uh benjamin percy
1: did what did you think about it i wanted it to be 11 issues i think i wanted it even to be 12. 12 i think i want one more from each yeah yeah um that said i think i liked it pretty well i think it kind of kind of opens us up for another life of moira and also gives us a little more in in my reading anyway a little more of an evil charles in here because i think that he traps her in krakoa um and then we have like this weird scene at the very end of wolverine and his family hanging out together and it just felt like batman family to me which doesn't fit with my favorite parts of Wolverine, but I, all in all, I think this, the series was good. I really like the Wolverine Phalanx stuff. I love like unstoppable Wolverine versus also unstoppable Wolverine. Uh, and Krakoa just kind of swallowing up future Wolverine's bones was, was pretty entertaining. I don't understand the last couple of pages, but I'm sure you do.
2: Uh, I agree with everything Django said, like down to a T. I think that the whole journey was fantastic. I do not understand the last couple of pages. I expect you, you. Um,
1: yeah, Moira I Moira coming out of the ground? Is it right? sounds
2: like Charles has Krakoa absorbing Moira and then kind of out of nowhere, um, Moira resurrects from the great, like buried alive. And she's a robot. She's She's tied to me- mechanical stuff. So I don't know if that's her consciousness put in a body. Um, I don't know if it like factors into the idea that machines are the things that always defeat the mutants, which is what the truth that Magneto and Charles knew when they founded Krakoa. Whereas in the other reality that we're just exploring, um, the mutants always won. Like
3: that was was her
1: truth from within this series. Turns into the machines that defeat the mutants yeah like yeah and because and the that mutants that's... tried so hard to pre defeat the machine
2: exactly so i wonder Terminator. if this is that truth that, that makes that so that I, I do think if that's what they're doing i think that's a pretty cool way of tying everything together mm-hmm. um but i do feel like i'm missing something so I, I i think that the whole journey was really really good i think that the landing i hoped it was a little bit more perfect but that's kind of my stance on the whole Hickman era X-Men thing and this really does feel like the end of that like this is exploring Moira this is exploring uh stuff pretty late related to that Hickman stuff seems like the next generation the books that rings listed right now are kind of moving away from that specific narrative mm-hmm. um and if that's the case I think this you know that the idea that Moira is the key that's that drives their downfall that started the entire thing is a pretty good way of beginning and ending it all if it's not Whatever, I'll, I'll, I'll take it. I uh, I give this issue an eight, and I think I give the entire ten issue collected thing, even though it didn't uh, interact issue by issue quite the way that House and Powers did. Um, I would give the entire miniseries at least an eight point five. I, I pre ordered a hardcover for myself.
1: Nice. I would give this issue a seven and a half, and I would give the whole series an eight and a half.
2: I like that, Django. Yeah. Can I uh, ask you or give you an email?
1: Yeah, give give it to me
2: from Phil. Hey, Ruminators, loving the new season. More Colette. Well, that's convenient. It's oh. here right now, Philip. Oh. Bring back Brayden and that other guy, Justin. Jeffinator, <laughs> the Irish accent needs help. Oh,
3: fuck. <laughs> You were drunk.
2: Thanks for keeping me entertained, feel. Feel when are you gonna get off your high horse and start editing our podcast again? Or at least <laughs> producing. I guess you're the producer. Andrew's the editor, you're the producer. Feel sitting there in your, you know, the glass house casting stones. You know what they say? Those of the glass and the casting the stones, the glass is a biblical thing. I'm biblically versed. Hey everyone, I got one more email before we get out of here. All right. Uh, can we hear it? Or no, it's, it? it's it's written. Sorry. Right. It's written. This was from my main guy, Rob Scafidio. He almost won the fantasy football league Ooh. that, you know, we're going three years strong now next year, our third year, we got one opening. If you want to get into our fantasy football league, let us know. This one had a subject matter about how he's, he's in. Um, and he, he's talking about, Hey, Jeff, Django, Roman and Colette. I beat the 24th March midnight deadline for the prize entry. So I am psyched. Not sure what the prize could be, but whatever. The podcast was outstanding, entertaining as always, beginning with Jeff's Mrs. Doubtfire accent celebrating St. Patty's Day. I don't know. I do love hello <laughs> um, but also the question about the best crossovers ever, which I found to be a very good question. I've always been a typical Marvel DC crossover guy. I remember those giant sized Spider-Man Superman crossover comic books years ago. Those things are huge, but your suggestions about non-Marvel DC crossovers got me thinking. Very sorry to hear about George Perez's illness and wishing the best for him, but the idea of giving back to those creators through the eBay and other auctions is a good one. I'm always bummed when I don't have an email from you showing I have some books in like on a Tuesday. So I'll just have to stop in anyway, wishing you all the best and thanking you for the podcast. Keep it up. Sincerely your best fan, Rob Scafidio best (laughs) fan. Oh
1: my God. I I feel like that, that email was like a big old back rub. It was, I feel warm and smooth and lubricated.
2: I feel Scafidio.
1: What's lotion?
2: Rob
0: was in. Today and he was asking me about the uh, the the drawing or the the whatnot and uh, well and so yeah you made sadly, it sadly right that I did not understand that I do not pay well he got it in right under the twenty fourth
2: deadline the twenty fourth was two days ago we would have recorded this two days ago which would have been the final deadline for the drawing so everyone who sent an email in will be entered, <laughs> entered in the drawing and bonus points. If you can send us an email very soon about what that drawing was for, we would appreciate it. Because if not, we're going to have to go back and listen.
0: I'll, I'll listen. I wasn't on. I can, I can listen.
2: It was a good one. I stand by it, but
1: you know, that was weeks yeah. ago.
0: Well, I, can't. I mean,
1: it- at one point, you said it was going to be for one of those JLA Avengers, but those are long gone. So it can't be for one of those.
2: I think someone wrote us an email saying, telling us that I Oh, maybe that.
1: that's what it was.
2: But I think it was for like... I don't listen to this podcast either. I think it was for something else. I think it was for like a different thing. We'll find you out. You
0: tell me the episode. I'll listen. I will, That's Elon part of the, the problem, problem Colette. That's I part sure, of the problem.
2: <laughs> I sure fucking hope I didn't offer up one of those paperbacks. <laughs> I think... I think we donated that. We sold those for like almost three hundred dollars each, and we donated that money to uh, a very good charity. So, if you wanted it, and I let you down, just know that you just made a personal donation of almost three hundred dollars to a very <laughs> deserving charity. <laughs> Somebody else say something. I don't um, think I would have offered that though.
1: No, I don't. I don't think we actually did. Um,
2: now I'm scared.
1: I don't. I don't think that we had an actual drawing. I think that we were leaving it kind of ambiguous. So. Maybe we do the drawing and then we decide how much we like the person and then we decide what it is. What do you think of that? Is that a pretty good it's
0: plan? Super ethical. I love it. <laughs> I don't think
1: it's ethical,
2: Colette. That's the reason that you're not on every week is because you are not an ethical person. Um, oh, so what I would say I thought is it was
0: it, you could only stand so many burps into the microphone.
2: No, I would have fired Django years ago from the <laughs> podcast. Um, it's the only power I have. Um, but we're going to, no, we're going to figure out the prize and then we're going to figure out the winner. It's a
1: guest it's, spot on our podcast.
2: <laughs> they all, their testicles all just shrunk. All of them are boys and their testicles all just shrunk. Um, the nine boys' testicles all shrunk. <laughs>
0: um,
2: well, listen, we usually do buckshots now, but we've got a new game. It's the best game ever. It's the, buck, the family-friendly buckshot hour presented by the Comics Comics Place present the family-friendly comic book buckshot hour. That's a good Comics podcast. Place presents uh-huh. the family friendly comic book buckshot hour. We'll see you next week on the Comics Place presents family friendly comic book family friendly comic book family please stop saying
0: family friendly because it's gonna like pop up in an algorithm or something and there's no way we could claim that presents
2: the family comics place presents the family friendly comic book fuck hour (laughs) (laughs) anyway (laughs) we'll we'll see you next week on that um if you want to write us an email like all these wonderful people did this week we almost got we we blatantly got distracted by how many emails there were and didn't evenly distribute them but um if you could all do that again i would get better at doing that and that would benefit everyone if you care about jeff help him learn your skill send some emails in. we'll see you all next week on the comics presents the family friendly bucket Shot,
1: hour power tower hour <laughs>
2: see you there i as always am jeff thanks for
1: joining us
0: i'm colette thank you
1: i'm Django, and i was wondering is this season over i hated this season <laughs> <laughs>